Xander was supposed to only come out with me for the beginning, but that didn't really work out. Um, but uh, I'm actually not teaching this morning, and uh, some of you are like, yes, I knew it was going to be a good day. Um, but no, um, actually, uh, I had uh, one of my best friends is in town, and uh, he and I were actually going to do something together, um, which then again, if he wasn't here, apparently Xander and I were going to do something together, right? Buddy, you want to say something? Yeah, we're, we're still working on that. And um, and so we uh, – but my, a good friend of mine is in town, and, and uh, we were going to do something together. And then we just started talking, and he was telling me about a message that he had uh, taught in his church recently. And as he was telling me about the message, I said, listen, I need to not teach, and you need to just teach this message because um, I've been blessed just hearing it over the phone, uh, just some of the points. And I think that um, – I think our church would really be blessed if you came out and uh, – and taught it. And I don't know if some of you are, have been around long enough that you remember uh, Pastor Bill Lamori uh, when he was, yeah, yeah. Some of you remember Bill. Well, Bill and I actually went to college together. Yeah, it was Clown College. Um, no, uh, Bill and I went to college together, and then uh, we both served on staff. We were both like interning um, as young assistant pastors at a, at a, at a in church, and then um, I came and my wife and I came and started uh, Calvary here. And then um, uh, he came on uh, and served as uh, as an assistant pastor, really as our as our administrative pastor, for um, for uh, the next couple of years. And then, believe it or not, almost six years ago, he left to go start Calvary Fellowship in uh, in in Hartford. And um, buddy, buddy, we got to focus. We got to focus. All right, we're not done yet. Come on, we got to focus. All right, good job, good job. You want to say something? All right, I see we're still in the same spot. And so, anyway, so uh, Bill started almost six years ago at the Calvary Fellowship in Hartford, and it's been, uh, it's been quite some time since he's been here with us. And I said, hey, why don't you come this weekend and share this message, buddy? I need you to, Xander. So anyway, uh, without further ado, because Xander's not going to take much more of this, uh, would you please welcome Pastor Bill Lamori? Thank you. So I, I don't know how I'm going to top that. Does anyone have a kid I can borrow? Um, quick question, just so I can know who's here. Um, how many of you say, hey, I've been here for a while, and I remember you, and I was here when you were on staff? Okay, a few of you. Now, who, how many say, never heard of you, and you know, keep this short and simple? Raise your hand. All right, I'm going to work with both of you guys this morning. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm going to, because some, a lot of you don't know me, I want to share a little bit of my life and recent history so that you can we can get acquainted with one another. Um, let me just give you a snapshot of a recent experience in my life. It was an awesome moment. Um, see, I was on a stage. It was much like this stage, um, except it was a different experience altogether. Um, behind me was the drummer, and he began to beat on the double bass drum. The bass player started a nice rhythm section. The singer was poised and ready to scream into the microphone. And with my guitar, I began the opening metal strums of Enter Sandman. Anyone else play rock band? All right, good. So pretty much that's what this was, was a rock band experience. And um, for those of you that don't know what rock band is, it's this great game, and um, everyone has a part to play. You play the guitar, as I like to do, or you can play the drums, or you can sing, or whatever. But the key to the game is if everyone plays their part, you hear the song as it's supposed to be heard. But if you miss a part and you don't play your part, you just hear noise. You, hear, you actually you hear nothing. You hear just space where there should be. And you can hear who's choking at the game. And, and I'll fully admit that the experience I just described, it was me that was choking. You see, I was trying really hard, but I just wasn't doing my part. And, and to this day, you know, I'm kind of still working on my apology letter to Metallica for destroying their music. Because it was just really, really bad. But the great thing about this game is, again, if everyone does their part, you get the full um, composition, what was meant to be experienced. And so today, we're going to talk about something similar. Sorry, we won't be talking about rock band. We're going to... Yeah, I know. Sorry to disappoint you like that. But we're going to talk about something exciting, and we're going to talk about something far more significant. And we're going to, we are going to talk about this concept of doing our part, and that we all have a part to play, and that when we do our part, 
the um, bigger picture is formed. But we're not going to talk about a, a game. We are going to talk this morning about the church and how you and I all have a very important, significant, essential part to play. And that if we will all do our parts, great things will happen. And so I'm excited to be with you guys today. I remember It's been a while since I preached in Miami. And um, what I remember about Miami is this. In Connecticut, you know, if they're really feeling it, if they're really with it, you might see like an eye twitch, you know, or something like that. It's, you know, it's in New England. It's a little more reserved up there. And, but, but here, I remember the interaction, and, and you guys are a little wild, and that's great. I'm excited today. So uh, I'm hoping, you know, just interact as you will and, and, and bring me back old school. So I'm excited to be here with you today. But if you would open up your Bibles um, to Acts chapter 6, we're going to talk about this concept of doing our part and, and how essential that is and, and how important it is, again, when it comes to the local church. Um, a little bit of context for the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is an important part of the New Testament. Um, if you ever wondered, you know, what happens after the crucifixion of Je- after the Gospels, the crucifixion and the resurrection um, of Jesus, um, how did all of a sudden there go from that to all these letters in the New Testament? How did there go uh, from that to being churches all over the world? And the book of Acts chronicles for that, that for us. It chronicles the rise of the church, how, how it began, and how it began to be birthed all over the world. And it's an exciting book. Um, we're going to start in Acts 6. So just to summarize the first few chapters, 1 through 5, we see that the apostles, the disciples, they, they, they went and they gathered in an upper room and, and they waited. And then the Holy Spirit came down upon them at Pentecost. And it empowered them. The Holy Spirit um, lived inside of them. And it, it gave them the ability to do just all kinds of miraculous things. It gave them a boldness to speak and to do what God was calling them to do. And we watched the church grow. Um, it began to just multiply rapidly. And um, as this exciting thing was happening, though, it wasn't all easy. Just like in anything in your life that you've tried to do, you experience pushback at some point in time, right? Anything worthwhile. And this was no exception. They began to experience some external pushback, some external persecution. And if you've read the book of Acts, you know that took place in the form of verbal persecution. It took form in the place of physical persecution. Some of these guys began to be arrested and beaten. And as you progress later in the book of Acts, uh, actually the second half, we won't read with that today, but as the chapter continues, we see the first martyrs for the church. So people actually died for this. And so people were so committed to this that they were willing to face the persecution. They were willing to do it. They were willing to even die because it's that important. And what you and I are talking about today is that important. And we're not going to talk about dying. Once again, we're going to talk about playing our parts and how essential that is. So Acts chapter 6, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So let's stop there for a moment. And if you have your outlines handy, um, your first fill-in is that churches must address their systems issues. I'll explain what I mean about that in just a moment. But first, let me walk you through some um, church math that we see happening in the book of Acts. You see, first of all, there was addition. As you read the book of Acts, it tells us that God added daily to the church, which is pretty exciting that God began to add people and it began to grow. And, and having been a, you know, being a part of a church in Connecticut, it's very exciting when God adds new people into the mix. Um, in chapter 5, we see that there is some subtraction in the early church. Um, anyone remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? All right, a couple of you. That's kind of a creepy story, right? What happens to those guys? <laughs> Teaches you to be honest. That's a very good lesson we learned from that. And um, that, if you're like wondering, read that on your own for homework. Um, you'll be thrilled and frightened, but it's a good thing. It's like a holy fright. It's, it's good to read every once in a while. So there's church subtraction that's taking place. And... Um, as we read today, multiplication is a good thing. And that's the best form of church math. That's when a church begins to experience exponential, rapid growth. It's when a church reaches the tipping point and God just begins to multiply. And that's certainly an exciting time. And once again, I think the best form of church math. And there's only one real form of church math that God doesn't seem to like. And that's division. See, that's when someone comes in a body of Christ and begins to tear things apart or things are left unaddressed and all of a sudden the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of being united together, tear apart. 
and, and, and pull one another apart. And you see, as hard as subtraction is from a church, it's far better if you can't get behind what's happening in a local church to subtract yourself than stick around and cause division. And it, it's just an awful thing when, when division takes place. And the Bible teaches clearly. God, God hates that. He hates division and discord in his body. And, and so what happens is the problem we see this morning is that the early church, the church of Christ, was starting to experience a situation that could very easily lead to division. And, and it had to be addressed. And, and again, this, as we said a moment ago, was a systems issue. Now, um, the systems issue revolved around their benevolence program. Now, let me explain what I mean by a systems issue. See, the church is a body, it's called the body of Christ. Now, just like your physical body has systems, you have your um, cardiovascular system, your muscular system, your nervous system, you're, you're just, your body is a whole collection of systems, and they work together in tandem. And when they work together well, and when the systems individually are in health and they work together, then you have health in your body. Um, Likewise, the church is a collection of various systems, and each of those, are they need to be healthy and in good working order, and then they need to work together uh, to promote health so that a church can, can be in the place of addition and multiplication where God can best work, and we can avoid this whole um, side of division. But again, what was beginning to happen was that division was taking place, and so the system needed to be addressed. And again, from time to time, systems have to be examined. And, and as I told the first service, um, you are blessed as a church body here for many reasons, but one of the reasons is your pastor. Not only is he a great friend, um, he, he's a mentor in a lot of ways, and you know that he, he teaches churches like all over the U.S., how to work through systems issues and, and really resolve a lot of these things. And so you guys are in great hands because he, he's, your, your pastor is in tune to a lot of this stuff. But if a church doesn't know this and doesn't deal with it, it can cause tension. And so you've really got to deal with it. And so, again, what was happening was the benevolence system. There was a problem taking place. And here's what, what the problem was, is that the Greek widows, or that's what it's, by the way, what it says, the Hellenist widows, basically means the Greek widows. So the Greek widows were complaining. They were saying that they were getting less food in the daily distribution than the Hebrew widows. So think about that for a moment. What we see is several things. One, there was a complaint of inequity that was taking place. And two, you can begin to see the racial divide that begins to happen, that, that could potentially happen if this isn't dealt with. And again, thank God, we've come to a place where we no longer have racial tensions anywhere, right? Okay, good. You were supposed to laugh, otherwise we will have to stop and talk about other things today. So I'm glad you're with me. So right, so, so even back then there were these issues, and, and this had to be dealt with or it was going to cause great division in the body of Christ. And so uh, we see that that's the setup, that there's this tension, there's this racial, there's this inequity, um, and it's ready to divide because there was a systems problem. And so that sets it up, and it creates an incredible tension to which we need a resolution. So let's continue to see what happens as we continue reading Acts 6 in verse 2. It says, then the twelve, and that means the apostles, um, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So your next fill-in is not only must churches address their systems issue, uh, they must also address their parts issues. See, the system issue had made its way, it has, had caused such a ruckus that it made its way all the way up to the apostles. And it was as if the people were looking at these guys and saying, do you see what's going on here? What are you going to do about it? And so their reaction is wonderful. These guys look and they say, we understand the issue. We see what's going on, but we can't fix this ourselves. You see, our plates are already full. Unlike the Greek widows, which is hilarious when you think about it. But, but we've got too much going on. We don't have enough time to stop and to serve tables. And so they, they come up with a better solution. What they say is, look, it's not desirable for us to stop doing our part and leave this key part undone and come over here and wait on tables. No, instead, they say, 
pick seven men from amongst yourselves and appoint them and anoint them and have them step into this important business to solve this issue. Let's get these parts in place and listen to the qualifications of these men. Men of good reputation. Men full of the Holy Spirit. Men full of wisdom. As, as you consider these qualifications, these were guys that, that could have done a lot more than wait tables. These were guys that could have done um, pastoral ministry, probably could have done a lot more. In fact, a couple of them go on in the book of Acts, we see, to have much more significant roles. But here is the key. Regardless of what they were qualified to do, regardless of what they could do, they stopped, they tabled their agendas, and they waited on tables. And as the body of Christ, there's an important lesson that you and I need to grab a hold of here, and that is we need to be a people of humility. You see, you and I are a part of the body of Christ, and all of us, as a principle, need to be willing to step up and do any part that's required of us. There shouldn't be one thing where we say, well, hey, I don't do that. You know, that's for somebody else to do. We'll let someone come out come in and do that. Because, again, look at these guys. Look at their qualifications. Look at what they could do, but they step back and say, we're willing to do anything. And, and again, the principles, maybe, maybe for you, it's like, well, you know, I really just want to preach. Or, hey, I would really like to lead worship. I'd like to lead a, a small group or any of these things. And I say that's fantastic. And, and, and step into all God has called you to do. But what I've seen of the people that God works, and, and that's been my story, I, I watched your pastor do this, is that God usually starts you in smaller places to test your faithfulness, to see where you are. He's not going to start you at the top. He's going to start you doing the grunt work. And there's, there's nothing wrong with the grunt work because there's glory and there's dignity in that too because we are serving Jesus Christ. And you see, when it comes to serving Jesus, the apostles knew what it meant. And these guys, we have to understand, the apostles don't delegate because they're like, man, I'm too good for that. And wait tables? Are you kidding? You're talking to Peter. You think, I'm, gonna, I'm the first pope. By the way, you guys know that's, that he's not really the first pope. But, you know, in some people's minds, he might be like, hey, I'm Peter. You know, I, I, hey, I am, you know, I'm the rock, Jesus said. And who am I to serve tables? That was not their heart. This was their heart. It's not desirable for us to stop doing our part so that um, we can do another part. Because, again, these guys know about service. They served Jesus. Every time when Jesus walked and did his miracles, they were right there. When Jesus uh, split loaves and fishes and fed the multitudes, they were there serving food. When the food was done, they were there to pick up the remnants and take it away. So they served. And not only that, they watched Jesus serve. This... If this doesn't blow you away, we need to think about it more. Jesus said this when he came to this planet. He said, I did not come to be served. The king, the creator of the universe, God himself taking on the form of a man, says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. I mean, think about this. Think about our Lord on his hands and knees washing the nasty, grubby feet of his disciples. And you say, well, my feet are clean. Listen, back then, that's fine. They weren't that clean. They were walking in dirt and mud. They didn't have socks on. And so, I mean, it was pretty gnarly by the time you'd get to these feet. It was gross. And there's Jesus. And he's not like, yeah, let's get your feet washed. Hey, you, um, scrub, do it. But, you know, he could have. He could, he could have snapped his fingers. But he says, no, I'm going to do it because I'm going to be a model of what it means to be a servant. I'm going to show you what it's like, and I'm going to do it. And if that doesn't do it for you, if Jesus' washing feet doesn't do it for you, how about when he stretched his hands out on the cross and said, this is how I'm going to serve you. I'm going to die for you. I, I will take your guilt, I will take your sin, I will take your shame, and I will bear that for you. In exchange, I will give you abundant life. I will give you grace, I will give you mercy, and I'm going to serve you in that way. And so... That's the God we serve, and that's the model for us. The apostles saw that model, and so once again, we can't think that it's like they were too good. It's just they realized that they couldn't lead the parts that they were supposed to play. Um, the, the parts that they were supposed to play, it says, they needed to be about prayer. They needed to be praying to hear God. What was his direction? What did he want them to do? And you want your leaders praying and asking God for their input, uh, for his input on the decisions that they're forced to make. Um, you want them praying and studying the scriptures, which is the other part. And so what they say is, let's not leave our part. Let's get these guys in place, and let's equip them. Let's lay hands on them. Let's pray them, and let's get them to fix this problem. So let's see what happens when they come up with this solution. Continuing in Acts 6, 
verse 5 it says and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose stephen a man full of faith in the holy spirit and philip prochorus nicanor timon parmenas and nicholas a proselyte from antioch whom they sent before the apostles and when they had prayed they laid hands on them and so next in your outline is you see when these issues these systems issues these parts issues are addressed the church experiences health and again we're talking about this church way back in a moment of time but we're also talking about the body of christ today we're talking about in any situation these principles apply and so the result back here though is that these people were happy they they were happy because the situation was going to be addressed it was going to be taken care of now in any situation, that's going to make you happy. Have you ever been in a situation and you're all watching the leader because you all look around and there's something outside of your control and you're like, something must be done. And you're waiting and wanting to do something. Have you ever experienced how frustrating it is when nothing's done and the problem just keeps persisting? You, you know when I experience this? And maybe it's because I'm impatient sometimes. Theme parks. I love theme parks and I hate theme parks. And I, I want to give you a public service today. How many parents in the room? I'm one of them too. Please, teach your children, don't cut in line. That's in the Bible somewhere. I don't, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. It's not in the Bible, but, 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 you know, there's principles in the Bible. But, but you know how annoying sometimes it is when, when like everyone cuts in line and so you're here and then slowly by an hour later, you're further back somehow. And I don't know how that works, but sometimes, and so you're watching and, and, and like, I'll be there and I'm like, I'm going to say, I'm going to tackle the next kid. And my wife's like, honey, no, please don't, don't get arrested today. And so, um, and then you finally see, like, you know, the guy come that's in charge. You're like, finally, he's going to do something. And, and you're watching all the kids cut. And he's just like, you know, his mouth's hanging open, drool coming out the side. And he's not doing anything either. And it's so frustrating when you see, like, a system that's not working and no one does anything. But this is great because it, the people were pleased because they see the situation is going to be addressed. And that's leadership. But it's not only that the situation is going to be addressed that pleases them. It is how the situation is going to be addressed. They like the fact that they bring these guys in because it's all about pulling other people to be a part of what's going on. It is empowering people. It's as if to say from this point on, the church is no longer going to be a, um, an experience that it's not going to be something that you come to and watch It's going to be a body that you belong to, and it's going to be something that you are a part of. And for all of us, we need to get this connection that that church is something that you and I belong to. It's something that we are a part of. It's not something we come to. We come to church services, but as a church, we are part of something that's big and powerful. And so this was the declaration, like we're pulling other people in. We want all the parts in play. And so they choose these seven men, and by the way, you may have noticed, all Greek names, So there's no longer going to be any um, talk of, oh, well, there's discrimination taking place. And so they put these guys in play, they empower them, and and great things happen. Because these guys, you know, the apostles made great decisions to pull other parts in, and these guys willingly stepped up and they played their part. And perhaps they tabled their personal agendas, what I want to do, and instead stepped up and what needed to be done in order for the body of Christ to continue to experience health and to continue to experience the growth that was happening. And so these guys, they they stepped into place, their hands are laid on them, and all of a sudden, the church body begins to grow. And and see, this concept, what we're we're just talking about, what we're talking about today, it flies in the con it flies in the face of what many people um, think a church is all about and maybe you've had this perception in your mind and it's it's really lends itself because if you look at it we're in like an auditorium right and all the seats face one person and one person looks out so you can view it almost like it's a show right like i've come to watch the show and it's not a show. Like, what I'm doing now is just a part. I am preaching God's Word and hopefully teaching, exhorting, encouraging everybody so we can be built up in God's Word, um, right? The, the Bible teaches that faith comes by hearing the Word of God, so hopefully our faith is increased as we come and gather around and study God's Word today. But, but all of you, are, you have a part, and as I came today, it was great to watch all the different parts that were in place. I mean, some people, you know, whether it's ushering, greeters, um, there were people at the bookstore, um, people getting me amped up on espresso. I mean, 
God bless your part, and God bless all of your parts, people in the kids' ministry. Um, I know that some, many times if you serve in that ministry, um, it's, it's just something that no, not everybody sees all the time. And by the way, if you're a parent, you, sh- you should give them a hug, thank them. You can kiss them on the cheek here. We can't do that up north. It would be like sexual harassment suit or something. But, but, you know, give them a big hug and let them know you appreciate what they're doing for you and for your kids. But, but you see, we all play a part, and this is essential, and this is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. It's, again, it's not a spectator sport. It, it, it's something that we're a part of. And again, it flies in the face of what many people think church is. You see, for many people, church is kind of like a football game. And let me explain what I mean by that, because some of you are puzzled. It's like this. What is a football game except 11 men desperately in need of rest, playing for 25,000 people desperately in need of exercise? Right? That's a football game. And unfortunately, sometimes a church can be like that, where we've got a small group of people that carry the weight, and a whole bunch of people are just watching. And thank God this church is not like that. I'm so thankful that our church back home is not like that. But we have to be careful because sometimes in many places it's the, it's the 80-20 rule, 20-80 rule, where you guys know that it's 20% of the people that do 80% of the work and that carry the load. And yet that's not the way that things were designed to be because when that happens, it creates a problem. And, and, and here's the issue. When, 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 not, when we're, all the parts aren't in play, it hinders what God wants to do. And you see, when that happens, we can never reach our redemptive potential as a church. Now think about that. When I say that, God has a plan. Let's take it individually. God has put potential and purpose in your life as an individual person. Now how many of you, show of hands, would say, I don't want to reach my full potential. I'm good with about 40 to 50% because I don't want to work too hard. Okay, well, one, all right, well, God bless you for being honest. What happens is, I'll help you out, your skill set's so high that even your 40 or 50 vastly outweighs the rest of us, right? All right. So, but for the rest of us, we've got to work hard and get to our potential, right? We've got to hit that mark. And so we want to reach our potential. As a church, I believe God has given every single church a redemptive potential. Like, I'm going to do this through you. I want to empower your church, and I want to reach your community in big ways, and and I want to do that. And in order for that to happen, in order for us to reach that potential, every part has to be in play, because we are God's agents. You and I, think about this. This is huge. You and I are God's messengers in our generation. We have a solemn and sacred responsibility to take the gospel, the good news, and and live it and proclaim it and and bring other people in to experience that. And from the time of the early church until now, generations have stepped up and done their part. They've handed the torch to us, and you and I carry that torch right now. And what we are to do is to move forward in all that God has for us and proclaim the good news and, and to do our part and reach that potential. And it's huge, and it's important that we do because the local church, this church, all the churches together, we are the hope of the world. Because we're the body of Christ. We represent Jesus. I mean, if you look around and say, where's plan B? There's no plan B. We are plan A. And that's it. If the local church doesn't do our part, then then God's message is not represented in the fullness that he desires it to be. So we need to all do our part and step up so that it can work as God has designed it to. Now, again, it, it only works best. And it works the way God designed it when all the parts are in place. Now, on your screen, I want to read something from Paul that he wrote in Ephesians 4 that I think is very helpful for us to understand this. He wrote that, and, and he, Jesus, gave, him, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. Now, that is huge. Because what that tells us is that there are all different parts, and we all have to play them. You see, maybe some of you need to change your thinking on something. And in your mind, it's been that the pastor or the pastors, they're the ones that are supposed to do all the ministry, right? That's why we pay them the big bucks, which is a laugh line. Um, but thank you. Um, but but, but that they're, they're the ones that are supposed to do all of the ministry. They're the ones that are supposed to be doing it. But that's not what this passage teaches. No. It, the, 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 the pastor's job, the, the, the minister's job, is to equip the saints for the works of ministry so that everybody gets into play. Do, do you guys know who, this, who are the saints? Who are those guys? 
You, right, you and me, we are all saints. You know, it's, it's, it's not San Lazaro in your, in, your, in your backyard or who used to be in your backyard, right? We're, we're done with that. We've moved on from that. You are the saints. You are the body of Christ. So today, for some of you, you came to church and like you were just Joe. Today you are Saint Joe. You got a promotion. You were Mary. Well, but you were Joan. Now you are Saint Joan because I don't want to create any confusion today. Right? So you are a saint. You are part of the body of Christ. And, and the pastor's job is to help equip you, encourage you, inspire you, train you, and to get your part in place so that you will step up and that you will do your part. Now listen, this gets real exciting. Listen to what Paul says a few verses later. If everyone will be built up and do their part, what happens? Verse 16. From him, Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds up in love as each part does its work. So listen, according to Ephesians 4, amazing things happen if we all do our part. If we understand that we are a saint and we have a part in the church and we will step up and do our part, great things happen. First of all, we fulfill our purpose. Right? He says that there's all different parts and we've all had a different part. And so we fulfill our purpose. And you need to understand that you have a purpose. And I don't know where you are spiritually, but I remember there was a point in my life prior to Christ where I didn't think I had a purpose in this world. And that's a hard place to live when you think that your life doesn't matter. And I'm here to tell you today that based on what we're reading, your life matters. Your part matters. It's essential. God, God wants you in place. We, we need you to put your part in play. And so when you do this, you, you fulfill your purpose. But also, we are built up when we put our part into play and we begin to do our part. You see, we, we begin to experience growth. And, and if you look at growth, when you look at uh, um, health, I should say, um, how does health take place? There's two components to physical health, right? It's eating the right food and it's exercising. The, the two work in tandem together, or so I'm told. Now, spiritually speaking... Spiritually speaking, it's much the same. It is taking in the right spiritual food. And I know, Bob, you guys get good food here. And I know the other pastors, you get some good soul food here, right? I mean, stuff to build you up and inspire you. But it's not enough to just eat at the table. Because what happens if we eat the best food at home and we just go to bed? We get, you know, we get a, our belly gets bigger daily. You know, we we got to exercise at some point in time, right? And so it's the same truth, same truth spiritually. We, we don't just take in. We need to exercise. We need to do the output. We need to get in the game and get in the mix. And when we've got the right inflow and we've got the right output, that's when we experience spiritual health. And so that's how we begin to grow. And not only do we grow individually, we grow corporately. You see, when all the parts are in play, we take care of one another. Um, I'm not good at this, but you can serve me in this area. I, I, you're not good at this, but I can serve you in this area and we all begin to experience health we all begin to experience growth and that's what happens is every part steps up and gets into play because every person has a part and every part is important now to illustrate this i'm going to read a passage it's a few verses but bear with me and 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 really I, i just I pray the Holy Spirit really lets you get a hold of this passage and see this in a big way. It's also by the Apostle Paul, but it, it speaks so much to what we're saying. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, let me just read that for you. It says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the eye, ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, 
every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part of it. And we need to embrace that. You need to embrace that you're part of something bigger. And maybe you thought your life was all about your deal and what you're wanting to do. And I'm here to say that your life is part of a bigger deal. Your life is part of God's deal. And you have a part of what he wants to do. And you see, the problem is, the reason a lot of churches don't get this is because there's a bunch of parts issues. We don't see that picture forming sometimes because there are parts issues. And we need to address these. We need to understand. And so let me go over some of the common parts issues that are in play at, at, at some churches. Sometimes... It's that people don't know they have a part to play. And let me say this. I ruined that excuse for you today. If you say, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do anything. Sorry, we've just taken that one off the table. So let's go to the next one. Sometimes the the parts issue is um, simply we don't know our part. It's like, okay, I I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, And so for some of us, our strategy is, well, until we figure it out, let's just not do anything. And, and I'm telling you, because that was my strategy. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'll just, I'll just sit around and wait. You know, for, I don't know for the, the heavens to open up and the Holy Spirit, the dove to come down. I, I don't know what I was waiting for. But you know what happened one day? You know, my mom said to me, like, hey, when are you going to do something? I don't know. What should I do? She said, well, you know, they need an usher. All right, I'll be an usher. And you know what happened? For the next couple of years, type A driven, I became the best usher that there ever was in that, like, I was, like, guarded the door, like, if you weren't supposed to be in a certain place, to tackle you, or, you know, like, take you to your seat, and there's a good smile on, and I just determined that I, until I know what, what part I'm supposed to play, this is what I'm going to do, and some of you are panicked, because you're ushers, and you're like, oh, dear God, I hope this is, the trajectory is not leading to being a pastor, because I really don't want to be one, let me just encourage you, it's not like the track, it's like, if you're an usher, oh, man, I have to start a church, you don't, I mean, but sometimes God starts us where we need to, and he moves us, and, and, and you know, that's, That's one of the other parts issues is that sometimes parts are in the wrong place and God is real good at moving that and rearranging that. You know, sometimes you just need to start where there's a need and eventually you get to your sweet spot. You know what your sweet spot is? Your sweet spot is where your giftedness, the way God has wired you and designed you and your passion, what you care about and you, all your friends say, oh, they just won't be quiet about. That's okay. God's put that in there in you. And and when, when your giftedness and when your passion collides and you're in that spot, you're unstoppable. No one has to ask you to serve because you're willing, you're, you're energized, and you're ready. And so that's the place you want to get to, but I encourage you, until you find that spot, just step in somewhere, and that's how you discover it is eventually you get to that sweet spot. And so that's sometimes we don't know our part. Here's a big one, parts issue. is Sometimes people don't value their part. They're like, I think I know my part. All right. Sorry, I'm getting a little carried away. Sometimes people don't value their part, and it's because they, they mistake significance with prominence. And they think it's the same thing. And they think that because their part is not something that is prominent and visible, that it isn't significant. And I'm going to prove to you that that's not true. As you look at my face, you're going to notice something very, very prominent. My nose. It's huge. I'm, I'm, I don't get a close-up or anything on the cameras. But listen, you don't need to. It's big, right? But, but let me ask you a question. What is as prominent as it is, what is more significant, my nose or my heart? Heart, right, good, good. Right, because what happens? If my nose were removed, I would lose my sense of smell, and I might resemble Mr. Potato Head, Right? But I could live a fairly normal life. I mean, I might freak you out like you know, when, I, when you see me coming down the street. But I could live a fairly normal life. But if you take my heart out, that's it. You know, it's done. And so even though my nose is more prominent, my heart is more significant. And it's what Paul wrote in there. And that just because you may play a part that isn't as visible, it may not be on the stage, do not think that it is any less significant because all of those parts are are valuable. All those parts are important. For example, some of you may say, well, you know, Bill, I've been praying and the the Holy Spirit showed me my part. And I I don't want to tell you what it is because I, I think I'm an armpit. I think that's my part in the body of Christ. And here's what I say. God bless you. We all have armpits, right? I don't really know why we need them, but I think we need them. And, you know, they're there. And your body would be weird if you didn't have them. 
And so the body of Christ, hey, we need feet, we need armpits, we need elbows, we need the whole deal. And so don't be ashamed. Whatever God has part he's called you to play, it's important. And, and, and sometimes what happens is we mistake, you know, we, we, the part issue is because we, we think that other parts are more important. Like we can t- sometimes put the people that are visible on pedestals or we can minimize our parts. And all of those things are different parts issues. But, you know, sometimes it's, it, it's simply this, is we think that maybe if that's you and maybe you say my part is not as significant that it doesn't matter if I put my part into play. Nobody will notice. And can I, can I tell you that's not true? Um, how many of you guys are Ikea fans? Show of hands. All right, a few of you. Uh, Bob and I drove by Ikea yesterday. I love Ikea. It's a, it's a Swedish marvel in my mind. And um, besides the $1.99 Swedish meatballs. Um, yeah, all right, now I got some energy now talking about food. All right, this, this is great. Uh, now I know like, how, to, how to get you w- worked in here. So... Um, but when I go there, like I've gotten several pieces of furniture there and, um, I think they have a cruel sense of humor, the Swedes, because you open it up and there's like a million parts. And if you're not handy like me, you look at those parts and you're a little nervous and you say, you know what? I'm sure there's good directions. And you open the directions up. It's one sheet of paper with no words, with arrows all pointing. And you're like, I mean, I get a headache just looking at this thing and I panic. And so I'll say, you know what, honey, you go on and do something else. I got it. And she comes back eight hours later or whatever. And so, and I've assembled this thing. And she's like, well, how did it go? I said, oh, it's great. You know, I'm so smart that I figured out how to do it with less parts than the instruction manual came with. And you know where this is going. From that point on, there's going to be that constant creak or it's going to be wobbly or, hey, it looks great. Just please don't sit on this. You know, you know, even if it's a chair, just don't sit on it. Everything, it's, it's more of a decorative chair. And, and that's what happens when our parts aren't in play. You may not notice it visibly at first, but at some time in the church, there'll be that persistent squeak or there'll be that chair you can't sit on. And so every single part is important, even if we don't think it is. And you know, the most common parts issue is that in any church, there are usually just far too pieces in far too many places. And that's not how God designed it to be. And so to function optimally, we all need to put our part in play. Because if we don't put our part in play again, it means that someone's going to have to leave the part that they've been called to do and do something else. And that leaves something else undone. So we experience health when every part gets in play. And it leads to the final thing we're going to talk about. We're going to leave one more, read one more verse in Acts 6. Um, verse 7 says this. After, after these issues were addressed and after um, they began to see that health was coming back, verse 7, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so the last point on your outline is when these issues are addressed, the church experiences not only health but growth. Don't miss what we read. It says that after this is dealt with, the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied. And again, just to tell you, having started a church with me, my wife, and one daughter at the time, there is nothing more exciting than to step out in faith and watch God begin to grow a church and do great things. And it's great to see what God has done in this church and the growth that is taking place. But because of that, I just want to tell you, I'm a guy that loves watching church growth. I believe churches should grow because healthy things grow. But the wrong question to ask is how do you get a church to grow? That's the wrong question. The right question is, how do we bring about health in our church? Because if a church is healthy, the natural result is it will grow. It's true with plants. It's true with your kids. Right? How many of you wake up each day and have to instruct your kids, I need you to grow? Right? No. I mean, they're eating you out of the house and home, and they're just growing on their own. I try to tell my kids to slow down because it seems to be going too fast. But they won't. Healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. And so we don't focus on the growth of the church. We focus on the health of the church, once again, by getting all the right parts in place. And I just want to say this to you. As a church body, as someone that served here and has been a part of this, was part of this church for a couple of years, I, I am just so blessed by what God is doing at Calvary Fellowship. 
It's awesome. You guys need to celebrate this. If you're new, well, maybe you can stick around for a few weeks before you get amped up and excited. But for those of you that have been around, it's an awesome place. This is an awesome church. God has blessed you with a great pastor, a great team of pastors. God has blessed you with a great body, a congregation. You guys are awesome. And, and, and seriously, I mean, great people that God has used in my life and just blessed me as well. And, and I thank God for you. And I'm so excited about what God wants to do in this church and how he wants to continue to use you. And let me just say this, as, as, as I'm puffing you up a little bit, and I mean it with sincerity, it's not just what's happening in this local church body. God is using this church to impact the world. He does that. As you guys give, you know that some of your, your, your offerings, tithes, go to missionaries all over the world. And, and we as a church, you guys help support us when we got started. So you share some of the success and the credit of what's going on in Connecticut. And we're on our feet now. And you know what we are able to do? We're able to support other churches that are getting started. And, and as a result, again, of what God has done through you, you have blessed not only this community, but you have blessed um, people up north in Connecticut. Many of you have never met any of them, but God is using your impact there. And he's using your impact all over the world. And, and this is an exciting thing. And, and here's the thing I believe. I believe as much as God has done, your best years are ahead of you. I believe that the picture that God wants to create is something far bigger than any of us could imagine. Even Pastor Bob, who is a visionary, I believe that God has something in mind that is even far more exciting than that. But, but, but here's what I'm challenging you to do today, is as exciting as that growth is, don't focus on the growth. Focus on the church. And you as an individual, be committed to your personal spiritual health, but also be committed to the spiritual health of this church. Now, how can you do that? I'm so glad you asked. And would you pull out your puzzle piece you should have been issued when you came in this morning? See, this represents, and maybe it makes sense. Now, maybe when you came in, you're like, oh, there's a guest speaker. I hear this is if he hacks. This is we can all just do a puzzle instead because we don't have anything else planned. That was the side plan, but hopefully that didn't happen. But here's, here's the real plan with the puzzle piece this morning. As you look at it, every piece is different. Every piece has different colors on it, different shapes, a little bit different sizes. And that represents you. It represents what God is doing in your life. It represents the unique part that you are in the body. And, and as we consider this, here's what, I want you, here's what I'm encouraging, I'm praying you that, that you will do, is that you will take this piece home and you will pray over it. Keep it in a visible place, maybe on your dresser, maybe in your car, somewhere where you can see it, and pray. Take it in your hand and say, God, what part do you have for me to play? Will you please reveal to me what that is? And then will you give me the courage to step out and play that part? And, and just pray and ask God to show you what it is. And I pray that you would have the courage to step up and do it. You see, you can do something else. You can say, well, you know what? I wasn't expecting a puzzle piece at church today. This is pretty awesome. I think I'll just keep it. Just like you could say, I think I'll keep my part. But here's what I'm going to say to you. I guarantee that what your part and you do in your own deal and keeping your part for you is not nearly as exciting, not nearly as powerful as what can happen if you take your part and lay it down and say, God, I'm putting my part in play. Now, here's the question. What picture is going to be formed as everyone puts their part in? And the answer is, I don't know. I didn't buy the puzzle. Whoever bought the puzzle, they know what, you know, they got the box. They, they know what it looks like. And in the same way, I don't know what God has exactly in plan for this church, but I do know that God is a good God who, who says he, he'll give more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. So God has a big picture and an exciting picture. But once again, in order for that to happen, we all have to step up and realize that we have a part to play. And as you look at your life, this is, this is uh, Palm Sunday, as Bob said. You remember the original, the Palm Sunday, where Jesus rode into town, and, and everyone started screaming, Hosanna! Hosanna! And that means, God, save us. And your life, my life, we cry out, Hosanna. And I don't know about you, but I can tell you this. Um, I'm a pastor now standing before you preaching God's word, but I was a complete mess before Jesus. I'm somewhat of a complete mess now, but man, you should have seen me back then. I was a mess. I mean, broken, just at the very edge, um, all of that. And Jesus took the broken pieces of my life and he put me together and made me whole. 
and you see what happens. That's what Jesus does. He takes the broken parts of our lives and make us one. And then we take our part, we take that piece, and we put it together, and we form the local church, and then all of those local churches, we are a part of the bigger puzzle that serve Jesus Christ. And once again, don't miss the significance. We serve Jesus Christ as all of us put our parts together, and we are a representation of Jesus Christ to this planet. And that's huge, and that's something to get excited about. But in order for the image to be presented that God wants to present to the world, every part has to be in place. We all do our part. We do our part through prayer, praying for one another, praying for the church. We do our part through sharing our faith, personally sharing what God has done in our life, inviting, getting as many kids as we can, and telling your friends, you need to come to church next week for Easter and and learn about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it's the biggest game-changing moment in in history that ever happened, and you you need to come out for that and and being willing to do that. You do that through your giving, through your tithes and offering, by playing your part. And as we talked about today, through your service to God, we all have a part to play. And I'm asking you and encouraging you, will you play your part? Some of you may say, look, I'm willing to do it, but I don't even know what my part is. And I don't have permission, but because I'm going to Connecticut after this, I'm going to do something anyway. I'm encouraging you. If you say, I want to play my part, but I don't know what it is, you take this and you bring it to one of the pastors. Let's pick on John Sololi. Let's bring it to Pastor John or somebody else and say, listen, I don't know what my part is, but will you help me find out where it goes in the puzzle? I guarantee they'll do it. They'll help you. They'll step up. And here's the thing. I'm not asking, no one's asking you to do it all. I'm simply encouraging you today and asking you, will you do your part? Because when you do your part, you will then discover the significance and the purpose for which God has created you. When you do your part, you will see what God has designed for this church as it reaches its full redemptive potential. And when you do, and I do, and we all do our part, and when it all comes together, we form an image of Christ so powerful, so big, so attractive, that people in our community look on and say, that is something that I want to be a part of too. I pray for you. Dear God, we come before you and we thank you that you saw fit to call us and make us a part of your family. And I thank you for that we have that, that, that special privilege today. And Father, maybe there's some today that are not part of your family, and I pray that you would touch their hearts and draw them to you today, and that they would ask any of us of what that means and what this following Jesus looks like, and, and, and God, that you would work in their hearts to draw them to you. But for those of us that are a part of your family, help us see we're a part of a family. We're part of a body. And in a family, we all have responsibilities. We all have opportunities. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here. Um, God, that you'd continue to grow them individually. You'd continue to grow them corporately. You'd continue to bring health into this church and, and, and bring fruit and growth into this church. And Father, may we never forget the reason we do it all. It's not for us. It's for you. It's for Jesus. It's for Jesus, the the hope of the world, the Savior, the Redeemer, who showed us that um, it's all about serving others and not about serving ourselves, who gave the great example, Father, as he washed feet and as he gave his life on the cross. May we be willing to do the same. May we step up. May you encourage us and let us know that our part matters. And would you coach us, guide us, direct us, empower us to put that part in play for your kingdom, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for letting me have some time. Thanks, Bill.